Well, hello there. Happy Thursday to everyone joining us. For those of you who tuned in last week, thanks for coming back. We hope you enjoyed our last episode where we delved into the First Amendment and what protections it does and does not provide in the workplace. If you haven't watched it, a good thing to take away is that turns out you actually can be fired for vocalizing your opinion in public, especially when you do so while rioting at the Capitol. To learn more, check out last week's episode on our Captivate page, at Legally Speaking WTF. For those joining us for the first time, welcome to Legally Speaking WTF. We are a podcast that sets out to examine, question, cross-examine, and hopefully reach a verdict on many of the complex puzzles we witness in employment and healthcare law today. For those of you that hear that beautiful sound, the universally known love language of law, and fear that you have been charged with listening to yet another boring podcast, we plead not guilty. We are here to be a reputable but enjoyable source on helping you navigate the puzzling legal landscape of the workplace and healthcare. I'm Joey, and I'm here to be a key witness in today's trial by podcast, but the one you're really all here to listen to is our lead counsel on these matters and the man behind the podcast's name. If you haven't guessed it by now, you just ain't getting it. You're listening to the one and only Legally Speaking with Troy Foster. Since the actual practice and discussion of law isn't one that's traditionally been known for its humor, uh, one of the things we decided to do in this podcast is to start each episode off with kind of uh, an irreverent viral video from the internet to prime you all for our discussion. Believe it or not, Troy, this week's video is actually from a children's TV show that I watched quite a bit when I was growing up called The Sweet Life on Deck. Uh, Do you mind telling the audience a little bit more about what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, that's right, Joy. We're going to talk today about the gender pay gap and how the coronavirus has negatively affected the gap that we've been narrowing as the country has has really been working toward that. But the coronavirus has set us back, and we're going to chat about that today. Thanks, Troy. I'm really looking forward to uh, talking about this a little more with you as the episode goes on. But for now, we're going to send it on over to that video that hopefully acts as a great example of the exact wrong mentality that we so often see in today's society when it comes to the gender pay gap. I hope everyone gets a good laugh and enjoy. (laughs) In real news... A recent report from the Union of Maritime Workers found that male employees still make 30% more than their female counterparts. Way to go, guys! Let's shoot for 40! While that video is obviously meant to be a joke, I mean, it, it does reveal the very difficult reality that does exist behind the joke itself. There has been a large pay gap based on gender for a very, very long time. Troy, can you... Give me some of the history on the pay gap. Let's start there. Was this a very common issue that employment attorneys like yourself have dealt with, say, even five to six years ago? Yeah, I think that we saw it not just from a legal standpoint, but from being in law firms and seeing how women uh, were treated differently than men. Uh, It just it really was an issue that we saw that was pervasive. Uh, Women make far less than men in doing the same jobs, and that's in every industry. And I mean, obviously behind kind of the inherent 
inequality factor of a pay gap that's so large is there is there any damage to the overall workforce when there's such a large inequality present for sure so what happens to the workforce is you don't have the diversity or the expertise of a whole group of women that bring with them different experiences different knowledge and different approaches honestly uh even though uh, we are trying to equalize the pay, we don't discount the differences between men and women and their experiences and what they bring. They're equally valuable and uh, the diversity is important. So we lose that when there is a pay gap, for sure. We also lose uh, the potential for the continued benefit. Uh, it just is a, it's kind of like a seed that you plant and if we're not planting those seeds, then we don't get the fruit. And that becomes a problem for, for and has been a problem for generations. So when you say it, ha it has been a problem for generations, when has this always been, I mean, in your career, has this always been something that is, uh, attention's been brought to? Or has it been a more recent uh, focal point of our conversations of around the pay gap? I think it's interesting. I think it's always been something that has been in the in the back uh, where people have noticed it. But it's it, I think we've now had whether it's generational or just a focus on some new Supreme Court decisions that have come out where there has been a focus on bringing light to the situation. And that's, I think, the only reason that the gender pay gap has narrowed in the recent, I would say, you know, five to eight years. All right. So when you say that it's narrowed, let's look at what was the I mean, what was the scope of it and what, what led it, what led to it becoming so large uh, over the last decades that you've witnessed it? So I think two things. One, I think they just it just perpetuates itself. So once you have that gap um, and you have less women in the workforce or women are going out of the workforce because of the gap, then it just is is perpetuating itself. And that's, I know we're gonna talk about it later, but that's what we see with the coronavirus too, kind of in a micro level. But that, if you take that happening over decades, uh, that becomes a much bigger problem and it's just, it's just uh, pervasive at that point. So you said that when it comes to women leaving the workforce, what are what are some of the reasons behind that leaving of the workforce that perpetuates this pay gap? So I think there are a couple of things. First, uh, and they're societal stereotypes. Women take care of, of kids, so the motherhood. Uh, not only, you know, obviously women are the only folks that are going to be delivering the kids. So, you know, going through the pregnancy and giving birth and recovering from that um, are things that will take them out of the workforce, but also then it becomes an issue of care. Uh, a lot of women are assumed to be the primary caregivers. And so there are some stereotypes with people making employment decisions uh, at the manager or decision maker level. And a lot of folks just assume that that will be the case, that the women will be the primary caregivers and they're apt to give them less responsibility less opportunities for growth and less promotional opportunities as well, even if that's not the case. So you, when it comes down to it, you're looking at how the cultural stereotypes of 
kind of raising a child perpetuate these workplace stereotypes of a manager being less inclined to promote or place more responsibilities on women due to that fear of not fear, but that misconception uh, that it could come back to hurt the company. Yeah, that's right. And they also even less subtle than that will place less uh, investment in particular women in the workplace. So if there's a training and it, and it's maybe even more subtle, or if it's a case or something that a project that you, the manager is going to decide who to invest time and energy on, it may be that they decide to even subconsciously work with a man or a single woman who is not uh, rearing children. And so then that creates more and more opportunities for men and less and less opportunities for women. So you mentioned a little earlier on uh, in our conversation that there was actually a lot of uh, progress, it, maybe not a lot, but there was forward progress in decreasing this pay gap up until the outbreak of the pandemic. Can you kind of go over those few years? I mean, we started it right around 2015, but let's look into uh, right around right before 2020, the outbreak of the pandemic. Where were we in the pay gap and what progress had been made? So there, it takes time once you make the policy changes, right? So we saw policy changes back in 2010 and 12 that really we saw fruit of around 2015. So when President Obama administration got in, they did a lot of, of focus on making and equalizing the pay gap. So there are a couple of examples. So we have uh, we have paternity policies that are encouraged and the Family Medical Leave Act uh, that men may take advantage of as well to uh, take time off to raise children. And we saw men actually using that a lot more. Uh, so then the response that the employers have are, okay, well, it's not just women that are using this, uh, men are too. So that kind of equalized that a bit as well. We also saw some very arcane, uh, I guess you would say interpretations of the law um, about women and their pay who, who could actually come forward with making objections about unequal pay uh, get remedied. Uh, the Lilly Ledbetter Act was passed and you know President Obama signed that into law to make it so that women could come forward and argue uh, that they should be entitled to equal pay and there aren't you know old laws in the way uh, prohibiting that. So when we have those types of decisions which which happened in, you know, like I said, five or 10 years ago, then you start to see women being recognized and being and businesses reacting to that. So you see a practical consequence where women then are making more strides, they're given more opportunities, and that pay gap we saw a reduction of. Well, that's so in terms of, besides just benefiting the overall desire for us to move to a place of more equality because of this policy and the benefits we saw from it, was there an overall benefit to the workforce that you noticed, not just in terms of that equality we're talking about, but in terms of productivity and, like you said, the diversity? Yeah, I think so. So from an HR background, what we see is when we see the workforce contributing equally or being respected um, or more respected um, their opinions matter more. So we get not only the presence of women and their opinions, but the the impact because people will pay attention to them and listen to those more. 
and they're going they're then the decision makers so they also are in a place where they're forming policy and that does impact the everyday workplace so you mentioned that we were finally getting to a place right before the pandemic where you saw the actual inclusion of female perspectives in policy and in the general workforce's uh, diversity and understanding. We were getting to a place of kind of mitigating that pay gap. But then coming up right to the outbreak of the pandemic, what did you start to notice in the workforce after three months, after six months and so on? Yeah, so what's interesting about it is since the pandemic is new to everyone, I, I think that all of us kind of resort back to a default position. And unfortunately, that's what happened here. We we are focused on surviving, keeping businesses running. Uh, and so the default for businesses at, at that point were really to go back to what they knew. And inclusion is not at the top of that list. And you see those stereotypes of women taking care of the kids and men going out and being the breadwinners, that really you're rearing its head again. And I think as we got farther along in the pandemic, you saw the natural pay gap. The fact that if you have a husband and a wife that are working and both in the workforce, if one has to stay at home with the kids, then the person who makes more is generally going to be the one that goes out to work. And nine times out of 10, most of the time that is the man that's making more. So that just reinforced the already natural pay gap, and that has become the problem of expanding it. So it be kind of it kind of became this perpetual cycle of because the pay gap pay gap existed when we hit this kind of default scenario, we immediately reverted back to uh, females being the caregivers to the children now in the online environment and taking the higher paid of the of the couple to. I mean, keep the family afloat financially. Uh, according to a New York, or according to a Financial Times article, since the outset of the pandemic, 10% of men have left the workforce in ex- uh, versus 17% of women. So you would say that these reasons that we just discussed would be fundamental behind how we're seeing the pandemic affect the female composition of the workforce to such a greater degree? Or would there be any other way, other ideas you had? No, I think that really is is the key. If you look at the coronavirus pandemic and the effect on the gender pay gap here, it really is a microcosm of what's happened over the last 20 years, right? So, and you really can learn from it. I mean, if there's one silver lining to all this, we know for sure that our default is the stereotype, and maybe it's not a stereotype, maybe it's generally true. I I know that the pay gap is generally true, that women are going to be the ones that'll stay at home if there is a choice um, because they make less. And that you're right, it is a perpetual problem and it just continues to be a vicious circle. And we see that. So we need to, and I know you'll want to talk about this more later, but we need to focus on that as so, uh, to be a solution, but it is a microcosm of the problem. The women are staying at home more because, and we see it statistically, because they make less and they are providing for the children and it reverts into the stereotype. So it's, it, and they work in jobs, quite honestly, that were impacted significantly more than uh, 
for women than than men. And so when we look at kind of the overall damages to the workforce, I mean, we've been in this pandemic for now just just under a year. What are some of these long term effects that you could see coming to fruition due to uh, us and the pandemic negating all the progress we had made? So I think we see it. I think we see that decisions are starting to be made to uh, reduce the workforce or streamline um, different jobs. And when you do that, especially we know that the travel and hospitality industries have been impacted significantly. Those are filled at many levels by women. And even in, in the highest levels, those executive positions, which were opportunities for women, um, have been narrowed. Uh, so I think we see lower pay, we see less opportunity, and we see uh, less import given to women in the workforce if we continue down this path. Now, I don't think we will, but I, because I think it's a lesson and I think it's a, a point for all of us to learn from. So I think that we'll, we'll change course, but it is an important uh, one-year lesson on what we've been going through for decades. Yeah, and that's, I mean, there's a significant difference between noticing a problem and realizing it's there and actually making action to uh, to challenge that problem and to find resolutions that 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 work for everybody. So, I mean, in the light of always wanting to provide practical advice for employers and employees, what are some ideas that you have for how we can in our own small communities, whether it be our own company or uh, or or larger companies in general, how what are some practical steps for getting back to where we were prior to the outbreak of the pandemic? I think there are a couple of things. The first would be if you don't have a formal Family Medical Leave Act policy, maybe you're not even subject to that leave uh, policy because you're not big enough. I think promoting some sort of policy or culture that supports men and women equally in their parenting or their their opportunities in the workplace, that's going to be key to narrowing, again, the gap that was created. We've done that before. Uh, we can do that again. Uh, and we don't have to wait on the law or rely on the law. We can just do that because it's the right thing to do. So when you talk about policies that are focused around uh, the taking care of the children in the family, according to a recent study within the same article, uh, the Financial Times we discussed above, of 228 global organizations found a third of them had no formal policy to support parents and careers trying to juggle work with family responsibilities. So one of the things we touched on is we're in a default state. The pandemic kind of took all of us by surprise, and we reverted back to... Uh, this situation that we've been working for decades now to come out of. And right before the pandemic, it seemed that we had started to get to a place where we were seeing more of the uh, fruits of our labor, if you will. So how can businesses better manage protecting their female workforce? Does it happen in supporting both men and women to raise the children? Does it happen in female-focused uh, policy in the workforce? What do you What do you think? So I think we can go beyond policy. Uh, we can, uh, and policies are great, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think having them is is great, but whether you have it or not, 
embracing where your employees are, and this would apply beyond this gender pay gap, um, but having a culture where employees are encouraged to take time off and to care for their families, encouraging men to do that. I, I remember when I uh, first had my kids, there was an FMLA policy and I worked in a great place that was, you know, was very encouraging to do that or to have men take time off. Um, but before that, I, before I had my kids, I know that, you know, guys were laughed at for taking FMLA and that just perpetuates the problem because then the women are taking off and men are just being the breadwinners. But I think we need to have a have a culture in the workforce and in the community so that we're encouraging and supporting men being you know family caregivers too so that women can have opportunities in the workforce so when you think about this year as a learning lesson what do you what do you think the most important forward motion is for us coming out of this and once we see jobs returning in the new kind of remote work-oriented environment, uh, where do you see the benefit of this coming from? So I think there are two things. One, I think that awareness is going to be key. I think this, again, encapsulates a problem that we've seen for a long time and is kind of a case study of that problem. So just not forgetting and being aware of it and and always trying to work toward equality is going to be key. But on a more practical level, I think this could really help help uh, narrow the pay gap again. I mean, if you think about it, we are having Zoom meetings. We are much more forgiving of kids walking in on our meetings or other family events occurring. I think that that relaxation of you know some of the norms that we had before may in fact help the uh, gender pay gap if we, again, embrace that and don't go back to some of the bad habits that we had, which are requiring people to come to work, not giving uh, any time uh, for, or at least recognition and flexibility for that family piece. Uh, that could very well benefit women um, and, and folks that want to take care of of their families, as well as have a great balanced uh, work life. Well, Troy, thank you so much for sitting down with me, uh, along with the plethora of other issues that we have and we're working towards uh, improving in today's society. This is definitely one of them that needs uh, awareness and focus. So thank you for taking the time to discuss that with me. And while we're on the topic, do you know what we're going to approach next week? Yeah, well, thank you, Joey. Um, as always, a pleasure. Next week uh, is going to be the first week of Black History Month. So we're going to chat about some of the ways employees can and employers can in the workforce embrace uh, inclusivity uh, without being offensive, because frankly, sometimes that's what we see. Fantastic. Well, I think that'll be a great conversation and much needed to start the month off. Thanks for joining us, everyone, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Take care, everybody.